understand the concept of white supremacy and what it means, what it is, I don't use that term. I don't like that term because there's nothing that is supreme about white people. I come from a country where slaves destroyed the three greatest European empires at their peak of their power. People always talk about the yellow fever. All of the countries, France, Spain, and Britain, always doctored the numbers of deaths by yellow fever to hide the amount of brutalities and casualties they took. I always ask this question, if yellow fever was killing all these white people, how come they weren't dying before the revolution? What I have said is that this campaign is not just about electing a president, it is about making a political revolution. Taking money from our children and borrowing from China. People are dying. Is the program so critical it's worth borrowing money from China to pay for it? And if not, I'll get rid of it. Stop lying! I want the truth! the apocalypse altogether. Here's another episode of Macro and Cheese with your host, Steve Grumbine. All right, this is Steve with Macro and Cheese. Folks, we're going to take a trip in the time machine. We're going to go back to Haiti when France was going through its revolution and we had Toussaint Louverture, who has been lionized in the historical context. Everybody has put him up on a pedestal. And we're going to find out the real story about what happened in Haiti, and maybe even take a look at some of the current events that have happened here recently in Haiti. My guest is somebody who I have admired from afar, a guy that I've listened to on many podcasts, in particular, one from the Dead Pundit Society, where he talked about Haiti in a way that made me extremely interested in learning more. And so I'm thrilled to death <laughs> to be able to have Pascal Robert join me today. He is an essayist and a political commentator whose work covers black politics, global affairs, and Haitian politics. His work has appeared in the Washington Spectator, Black Commentator, Alternate, AllHipHop.com, and the Huffington Post. He is a regular contributor to the online publication Black Agenda Report and is the current co-host of the awesome podcast, This Is Revolution which is live streamed via YouTube and relevant social media on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Saturdays at noon. Pascal is a graduate of Hofstra University and Austin University School of Law. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, Steve. I appreciate the invitation. I did not know that you were such an admirer of my work, man. I'm very humbled by all the adulation that you laid upon me, my friend. Well, I got to tell you, I am friends with Ajamu. I've had Glenn on. We've had Margaret Kimberly come on and do our national outreach call. And we've had Danny Haifong on. So we've had the whole gang over there. I wish I could have gotten to Bruce before he passed. Bruce was my very close mentor, yes. Yes, just a great guy, great writing, big, big voice, man. But you're a great voice, too, and I really appreciate your no-nonsense approach to things. And we're getting ready to do another podcast, which I told you about offline, called The S Word. And so much of the struggle and the concept of revolution and the arc of revolution, as I say, is so misunderstood. And I think Haiti is an incredibly important case study in a revolutionary's mind, in the mind of people that are thinking something's wrong with this country and they're looking for inspiration. And I think sometimes the stories of old can be misleading. And as we talked about offline as well, the Haitian story is oftentimes quite misleading. So I guess let's start off with, tell us a little bit about what the Haitian revolution was all about, the history of the Haitian revolution and the relationship with France. Well, what I'm going to try to do is give a synopsis, maybe in less than a half an hour, of the Haitian Revolution. 
to make it as comprehensive as possible for your audience so they understand. To understand the Haitian Revolution, as I've said before, on my appearance on Majority Report Friday, we have to understand its proximity to American history. The Haitian Revolution starts in 1791. And what is fascinating about that year is that if you ask the average person what that means in terms of American history, even scholars of Haitian history, you ask them what that means, and they won't immediately come about. And I'll be very honest with you, it wasn't until I read a book by Gerald Horn entitled Confronting Black Jacobins by Gerald Horn, which is, I think is his first book on Haitian history. Wonderful book. And he has some information in the book about George Washington. And that was the first time, literally, that it came together in my mind that George Washington was president of the United States when the Haitian Revolution started. Wow. So realize that all of this romanticized notion we have about the intellectual security and stability of the founding fathers and the founding the United States as a republic, understand that immediately after they developed this country, France, which was one of the major nations that helped them in the American Revolution, is being savagely brutalized by its African slaves on an island, meanwhile, while the founding fathers of the United States still have slavery. The point I'm trying to convey to you is that the events of the Haitian Revolution were supremely in the consciousness of the founding fathers as they were transpiring, literally. It could not have been, because the importance of France and what it meant to the future of America was quite, quite significant. So all of the major empires of the world were watching what was going on at that time. And what makes that fascinating is that before the Haitian earthquake in 2010, I can assure you that for most people, even many Haitians born in the diaspora, the Haitian Revolution and its significance probably had been erased from the consciousness of most of the global society. Wow. Okay? And that's not an accident. So let's begin there. Sounds good to me. Understand that in the way in which we look at America because of this notion of American exceptionalism, everything is bigger, better, stronger here. So when you talk about slavery, everyone, including many African-Americans, have this notion that America was just the biggest, worst, the most horrible. First of all, of all of the African slaves that were brought over to the Western Hemisphere, less than 5% were brought to North America. The supermajority wow. were brought to Brazil, and a significant large portion were sent to the British and French Caribbean. So in terms of raw numbers, the smallest percent of African slaves were brought to the United States. Slavery was brutal everywhere. But because of the tortured racial history of this country, we kind of metastasize the nature of the brutality here. The particularly grotesque nature of the situation in Haiti is that the French, because of the demands of the plantation economy in terms of manufacturing rum and producing sugar, combined with the climate, were literally sadistic in terms of the types of torture that they would put upon slaves on the island and in the plantation. If you've read Black Jacobin, which is a book I have a bit of a problem with, and we'll go into that later, there are some descriptions of some of the punishments that they, for example, would bury a slave alive in sand and then put molasses on his head and have maggots and ants eat upon his face. Sometimes women, African slaves who are pregnant, would self-abort through various herbs because they didn't want their children to be born into the system. And in order to terrorize some of them to give birth, they would take others in front of female slaves and slice their bellies open to have the child fall on the ground and take the baby. Uh, oh, my God. One of the things that my team often gets angry at me about when I talk about this is the thing that compelled me to read the C.L.R. James book, after I got through this particular section you're describing, 
was the fact that they blew people up from the inside out. They would actually put gunpowder in the anal orifice of slaves and light them up and explode them up to pacify them. Insane. And biting them and gnawing on them. Horrible stuff. The French plantation system in pre-revolutionary Haiti, which was called Saint-Domingue, was so brutal that the average African brought from the continent to the island lasted no more than five to seven years. So what that means is that if you bring an 18-year-old African to work on a plantation, he'll be dead by 25 or 26 years old. The French, in their writings, would say things like, the shores of Africa are always generous, because they believed that there was such an unending quantity of Africans to bring over if they died like flies on the plantation and didn't make a difference, because they never thought the system was going to end. Wow. When this is all going on, clearly this is in the lens of history. But as an African-American or Haitian-American or a person of color who has seen the horrors in this country, when you read this stuff, how does someone process that? I know for me, it's just pure horror. Well, the thing is, I'll be very frank with you. A large part of how I view the history of slavery and race and racism comes from the fact that I am Haitian. I'll give you an example. I understand the concept of white supremacy and what it means, what it is. I don't use that term. I don't like that term. I don't use that term. I don't like that term because there's nothing that is supreme about white people. I come from a country where slaves destroyed the three greatest European empires at their peak of their power. Mm. I don't see white people as supreme at all. I'm not mystified by white power in any way. So we have 1791. Understand something. Now, we're good dialectical materialists here. Let's talk about the money. The 13 colonies of the British Empire combined did not have the value of Saint-Domingue, pre-revolutionary Haiti, to France. That means Haiti, as a colony, Saint-Domingue, was more valuable to France than all 13 colonies were to the British. In terms of the sheer trade of the sugar, the rum, coffee, tobacco, pre-revolutionary Haiti was one of, if not the most profitable colony in the Western Hemisphere for the French. So we have to understand the trade to this colony. That's why pre-revolutionary Haiti was called the Pearl of the Antilles. The Antilles are a series of islands in the Caribbean. Haiti was called at one time the Pearl of the Antilles. Because of the sheer value of what it produced. This explains why the plantation system was so brutal. And by the way, there are many people who like to put the Haitian Revolution in the context of the French Revolution, I do not. And I will tell you why. Yes, they are interrelated, but there were rebellions on the island decades before the French Revolution began that portended to the prediction of the Haitian Revolution. For example, in 1758, there was Macandal's Rebellion. Macandal was an African slave Many reports that he was a Muslim and he could read in Arabic. And he was considered to be the ability to have prophetic wisdom or visionary powers. Like he was almost clairvoyant. Machandal was so vicious that he created a poison to kill the European and white plantation owners that at one point it was said that he killed 6,000 people with this poison that he would put in the drinking water. His rebellion terrified the island. This is in the 1750s. It was so bad that when they finally found him, they tied him to a tree and burned him alive. And the tree cracked in half, and the Africans who watched believed that he actually created some kind of metaphysical mystique and turned himself into a tsetse fly and flew away. So there's a certain kind of mysticism about him as a figure. Before he died, he made a speech in front of the Africans. 
on the plantation. He took up one yellow handkerchief and he held it up. He said, this is the color of the people who once populated this land. They are gone now. And then he dropped it. He took a white handkerchief. He said, this is the color of the people who now dominate this land. They will be gone too. Then he dropped it. Then he picked up a black handkerchief. He said, this will be the color of the people who will dominate this land in perpetuity, and this will be us. And he did that before he died in 1758. So for me, Machandal is actually the father of the Haitian Revolution, and I don't, we don't have to tie its beginnings to the French Revolution to understand its importance. That is fantastic, because what you said to begin with, the history had been erased. And I assure you that as much of a student as I like to claim to be, I never heard of this. And so this is amazing. This is great. Right. So let me continue. So about 30 some odd years after Mackendal in 1791, we have African slaves. Now understand the Africans are coming from various tribes. I have a piece that I wrote in Huffington Post called What is Haitian Voodoo? to explain about this phenomenon of... Now, people don't know how to pronounce it because if you spell it in English, it sounds like Ceremony Boy Cayman. It's Ceremony Bois Cayima. Ceremony Bois, it's spelled B-O-I-S-C-A-Y-E-M-A-N. It's pronounced Ceremony Bois Cayima. What happens in 1791, an African Muslim calls together in the night in August, a large group of slaves up in the hills in a spot in Haiti on the island, in pre-revolutionary Haiti. And they come together, they have a ceremony, drums, it gets very heated, and they engage in certain ritual practices that would have been some of them, as Muslims, would not have participated. Some of animists would have. They slaughter a pig, and they engage in a kind of spiritual pact. And the spiritual pact takes these people who might have been rival tribes and rival religions and puts them together to come together as a force to fight against the plantation economy. One week after ceremony Bwakaima, August 1791, the African slaves go on a rampage and they start slaughtering European and white plantation owners and whites on the island by the hundreds. At one point in a week, they killed 2,000 people. It was like a massive, savage guerrilla warfare against the whole plantation. Now, understand, Toussaint Louverture and Dessalines were both attendees at Ceremony Boakaima. It was a massive affair. Now, you have to understand that this caused major fear on the plantation. The French are sending soldiers, and they have people on the island trying to combat these Africans, because at that time, it was the Africans who were brought from the island who are controlling the revolution. This is a very important point, and this is something that very few documentarians of Haitian history effectively explain. There are three different types and classes of black people in Haiti at the beginning of the Haitian revolution, and those types and classes persistently compete with each other as a force in Haitian history in perpetuity until today. The first are the African bosal. What is a bosal? Bosal is kind of a pejorative word. Any slave who was born in Africa that was brought to the island of pre-revolutionary Haiti, Saint-Domingue, was called a bosal, was African bosal. So they tended to be more culturated to the African religion. 
whether it be Muslim or Voodooist or animist, they were more rebellious. They were more served because they were born free. And they were less attuned to be docile acceptance of the plantation system, but they died the fastest. The next level of blacks were the Creole blacks. Some people call them Afranchi. They are Afranchi blacks and Afranchi mulattoes. They are Creole blacks and Creole mulattoes. Creole blacks are blacks who were born on the island. Because they were born on the island, they were more attuned to French culture. They spoke French better than the Bosal African, and they had more of a cultural affinity to the French system. Some of them were free, bought their freedom, or worked to get their freedom, and many of them owned slaves. Guess what? Before the Haitian Revolution in 1791, Two cent overture owned Boku black slaves. Wow. A lot of people don't know that. No, they don't. The biracial, we call them mulattoes still. I know that term has a certain pejorative, but for the sake of this conversation, we'll use that term. The biracial or mulatto slaves, in, uh, Creole blacks in Haiti, owned 25% of the African slaves. So we have a situation where it's not just whites who are plantation owners with slaves. You have mulatto Creoles born on the island who own 25% of the slaves, and you have Creole blacks like Toussaint Louverture who own a fair share of the slaves on the island as well, all of them being African. So understand something. The Creole mulattoes, because they were fair complexion and wanted to be white and wanted to be French, hated the Creole blacks, even though they were close in class. The Creole blacks hated the Creole mulattoes because the Creole mulattoes thought they were better than them and wanted to be white. The Creole blacks and the Creole mulattoes hated the African Bosal because they were the lowest on the level of the social standing in this totem pole, and they were considered savages and uncivilized Africans who could not be trusted. And the Bosal African hated both categories of Creole. This class dynamic plagues Haitian society to this day. That is insane. The idea of not being able to unite based on slight shade differences, that's very sad. This is reality. Yeah, but it's still sad, man. You'd like to see people unite. You'd like to see them be able to find a way to rise up together. Well, eventually they do, because that's how they win the revolution, but we haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> that's true. So you have to understand, the Bosal at this time are in charge of the revolution. They're going crazy. They're going buck wild, massacring whites left and right. Two settlers overture, the supposed great general, is so scared, he's already at the beginning of the revolution sending letters to the French on how he can calm the revolution down if he's given a better position by the French. Laurence Dubois exposes this in his book on the Haitian Revolution. Laurent Dubois, who's a historian, he teaches French, but he wrote a book uh, on Haitian history. He's out of Duke. Toussaint is already trying to sell out the revolution to protect his status because he owns slaves. The first gatekeeper, huh? Exactly. Misleadership class. So understand, and this is the thing, even amongst the Creole blacks born on the island, there is a class rift because there are two types of Creole blacks. There is Ancien Libre, which is what Toussaint Louverture is, and there's Nouveau Libre, which is what Jean-Jacques Dessalines is. An Ancien Libre is a slave who was freed several years before the beginning of the Haitian Revolution in 1791. Toussaint had been free for maybe like almost 20 years before the revolution began and had slaves, was trading with the British, with the French, making money. Jean-Jacques Dessalines was a Nouveau Libre. He was a slave up until the beginning of the Haitian Revolution in 1791 
and he was a brutally beaten and abused slave. That means he had a different worldview when it came to whites, to the French, to the plantation system, and even though he was not an African bosal, he identified more closely with them because he had been abused like them the majority of his life up until that point. This is the main reason why Doucet Louverture and Jean-Jacques Dessalines have a completely different worldview on the plantation economy. You notice the L.R. James doesn't explain any of this in Black Jack. No, I was going to say not at all. Has any book you've read on Haitian history explained this this way? No, not at all. Yeah, because the class color complex, which is the most important factor, is the factor that they erase because they just wanted to make it seem like it's a war against blacks and whites. It's much more complicated. I will say this. CLR James did go through the process of explaining 128 shades that they... Yeah. So it was something to that effect. And he did go into the different groups. Rigo. Rigo was the mulatto who basically fought against Toussaint Louverture. Yes. And then you also had Mose. Moise. Moise, that's it. A black Creole, yeah. Yes. He did touch on this. I don't want to sell it too short, but not like what you're saying. And this is important. So keep going, man. Okay. So let's continue. So we get the class dynamics we have here. Now, the mulattoes, oftentimes they studied in France. They had plantations. They wanted to be white. So they were the most white adjacent. And they owned more of the slaves than even the black Creole. All right. A lot of people don't know how much the mulattoes despised the blacks on the island. They hated them because they wanted to be part of the French system. So we're still in 1791. Shit is burning down. France is terrified. They can't control these Africans, these slaves. They don't know what's going on. France is still embroiled in its own revolution. The Americans are looking on saying, what's going on? Now, the Americans at that time, because they're having problems with France, they're like, this might be good for us. We might be able to either A, take this island ourselves, or B, be able to do trade. So let's do trade. Let's see how this plays out. So some are worried. The ones who are French adjacent, like Thomas Jefferson, are worried. The ones who are more like, this might clear us of our problems with the French. Because don't forget, France and the United States had some beef after the American Revolutionary War, right? So the United States are watching, like, what the hell's going on here? At a certain point, it's getting so hot. Spain, which owns the Dominican Republic, the island right to the right, is like, listen, let's check this out here, man. These Africans are really taking it to the French. We actually might be able to come in here and take this opportunity to take this island. But we just can't come over here and try to put these guys in shackles. Let's cut a deal with the big man in top and see if we can cut a deal. The Spanish send military emissaries. They meet with certain high-level generals like Toussaint Louverture, a few others. And they say, how would you guys like to work under the Spanish army? We train you and you guys fight the French and we'll give at least the high-ranking generals and a few others, freedom, and we keep this system going, and we get the French out of here, and you guys join the Dominican Republic and become a colony of Spain. The Black Creoles are like, hold on, we can get free? You know, soldiers of the Spanish army, and we get to officially be able to kick these Frenchmen's ass even more? <laughs> the Spanish are like, you got it, baby. The Black Creole generals, that's when they become generals, because the Spanish really trained them, and at this point, they take over the revolution from the Africans. The Africans are like, okay, fine. The white boys are giving us weapons. Okay, we can do this officially. So they train the blacks, and they train the Creole blacks. And the mulattoes, some of them are trained, but some of them are like, well, what's going on here? They join as well, and they start to whip the French's ass. <laughs> right. Because now these guys have military training. Now all these blacks have military training. French are getting savagely beat. Now understand something. As brutal as the French were to these blacks, particularly the Creoles, 
they were still more culturally attuned to the French. They spoke French, they spoke Creole, they had French cuisine. They were more culturally attuned to be French. They still would have preferred to be French, right? Now, the Spanish army, which is now the blacks on the island, are kicking the French's ass. The French are like, this island is too valuable to us. We cannot lose this to the Spanish. We cannot. The French send an emissary to Toussaint Louverture and the other Creole black generals, and they say, listen, we will give you your freedom. We will make you French soldiers. Please do everything you can. We will promise you to make you our equals. Please help us rid the island of the Spanish. All of these Negroes, like Toussaint, and Desalina at this stage is just like, yo, listen, man, I just want to be free. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to deal with any of these crackers or whatever. They're all like, yo, we can be French. We can be real. We can be French and get treated like our own plantation masters. All we got to do is whip these Spaniards and we get to be free. And of course, the Bosal are always going to be slaves either way. But most of the Creole generals don't care because like, we'll be free and we can still keep this plantation system going. And they say, you know what? Bet. They turn their back on the Spanish, and now they're fighting as French soldiers, more training, and then they savagely massacre the Spanish. And the Spanish are off the island, and the French even take over the Dominican Republic. Wow, that's amazing. You are listening to Macro and Cheese, a podcast brought to you by Real Progressives, a nonprofit organization dedicated to teaching the masses about MMT or modern monetary theory. Please help our efforts and become a monthly donor at PayPal or Patreon. Like and follow our pages on Facebook and YouTube, and follow us on Periscope, Twitter, and Instagram. But it's all in the name. Anybody that dangles freedom, that's all they have to say is you ain't going to be a slave. And you instantly had their attention. That's how bad it was. Right. So now, Toussaint Louverture is like the man. He's like the big time general. He's got the epaulettes on his shoulder. He's like Dessalines is his second in command because Dessalines is like a brutal fighter. Dessalines just massacres anybody in his way. Brutal. They're on top now. So they're negotiating their freedom. They're trying to figure out what's happening. Okay, okay. At some time, the mulattoes and the actual blacks, because the mulattoes hate the blacks and the blacks hate the mulattoes, they have a civil war amongst themselves for a year until the blacks kick the mulattoes' ass and a lot of the mulatto generals go back and run to France. Mm. A lot of people don't know. It's called the War of the Knives. There was an internal war between the blacks and mulattoes during the Haitian Revolution. A lot of people don't even know that. CLR James did speak to that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he did talk about it. Yes. So, Toussaint Louverture is really feeling himself now. He's like, yes, I'm a general. Because he wants to be a Frenchman. Yes. This is wonderful. Little 800-pound gorilla in the room. 800-pound gorilla in the room is like, the British are like, yo, the Spanish are punks. They're not nothing. They beat the Spanish. The French, we're always going to be able to wax them. We're going to send squadrons, dragoons. We're going to send the biggest embarkment of the British military in the history of British civilization to this island to massacre these Negroes and put them in shackles. We will put the French underground. This is going to be a cakewalk. The British send over 50,000 troops. They come in and they're ready to just slaughter people. 
two cent overture is like a word. The British come in in two months, ten thousand British soldiers die like flies. They get slaughtered. Is this all just warfare, or is this also the slick thinking of realizing the diseases? Well, there are diseases as well, but first of all, there's a good historian who comes out of Martinique who documented this. People always talk about the yellow fever. He documents all of the people, the generals, all of the countries, France, Spain, and Britain, always doctored the numbers of deaths by yellow fever to hide the amount of brutalities and casualties they took. I always ask this question. If yellow fever was killing all these white people, how come they weren't dying before the revolution? Dang, there you go. Another one of the whitewashings, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying it wasn't a factor, but it's heavily exaggerated. You think yellow fever is going to kill 10,000 soldiers in two months? Come on, man. <laughs> David Jaggis, who's a British historian, says that in British journals at the time, newspapers, it was said that there was not a single person in London who was British who did not know someone who died in the Haitian campaign. I wrote a whole piece in Black Agenda Report when Brexit started kicking off when Haiti defeated the British Empire. I tell Haitians all the time, I was like, we should stop talking about the fact that we kicked out the French. We live in an Anglo-American empire. We should be proud of the fact that we massacred the British. Very few people know that Haitians defeated the British Empire in the Haitian Revolution. I would agree. But so the British are out. Now Toussaint Louverture is really smelling himself. The French say, you know what? We're going to make you governor general of the island. So he is now the head man of the island for the French. He writes his own constitution, but guess what? Even though they get freedom, the island is free, what does freedom mean? It means the Creole blacks born on the island are free, but all the Beausalle get a system called the corvée, which is what? It's basically slavery light, but indentured servitude, but they're still getting their asses beat like slaves. And if you read the Black Jacobins, you know this is the reason why Toussaint Louverture has Moise killed, because Moise is like, we can't do these to these men that have been fighting with us. Toussaint Louverture is like, fuck you, we need money. Yeah. The one thing CLR James really put out there, I think, I'm interested in your take on this, but he really put it out there was while Toussaint was playing the role of diplomat and placating the white, French, and British even. He invited whites who fled the island to come back and take their land. He made the point that he had forgotten who had his back, who was fighting for him, and ignored them, which set the stage for his own downfall. Because Toussaint Louverture never had the idea of freeing a black country. He wanted Creole blacks in blackface exhibiting black capitalism with poor African servants as slaves to them. Sounds like Flyburn today, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> or Obama or whatever else, the black misleadership class. Yeah. But again, so he's governor general. He writes his constitution, makes it, you know, Catholicism is a religion of the state, cutting deals, wants the French to come back. Dessalines is looking at this like, what the fuck is with this guy? But Dessalines is loyal. He's like, okay, <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> Everywhere around, lots of people around, particularly after he kills Maurice, they're like, this Negro out his goddamn mind. Yeah, that was the turning point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the next 800-pound gorilla in the room that changes the whole tune of the Shangri-La for the Creole Blacks and the mulattoes are accepting the status quo, is Napoleon takes over France. Napoleon takes over France, and he's like, issue number one, we are going to either take every one of these Negroes and put them back in shackles, or we will genocide them all and start from scratch with a whole new island of blacks. I don't want to see an epaulette on any of these Negro soldiers, I don't want to hear a goddamn thing about no two-cent little mature. I don't want no black governor general. 
I don't want to hear any black nothing. I want these Negroes buried. Game over. So now Toussaint is really crapping in his pants. Because Toussaint Louverture has never really fought seriously against French soldiers. He's fought Spanish and British, but he ain't never really going hardcore. In the beginning, yeah, they were fighting the French. But this thing is, don't forget, Toussaint Louverture never fought a French Napoleon army himself. Who was the white guy that had been sent Santonax, Santonax. Yes. He did him wrong, too. Yeah, because Santonax was like, why can't we free all the blacks, man? This is insane. So Napoleon sends Leclerc, his brother-in-law, and he's like, I'm sending dragoons. Napoleon is like 50,000. Send them 50,000 troops. And then Napoleon also sends another 20,000, 20, 25,000 troops to New Orleans for a little specific reason, as a matter of fact. Because Napoleon's plan is that after he defeats the Africans and the blacks in Haiti, he's going to take his soldiers of 20,000 in New Orleans because he's just executed the Louisiana receivership from Spain. He owns the Louisiana territories. He's going to take his 20,000 soldiers, which are bigger than the U.S. Army, and conquer North America. Wow. Because Napoleon's like, I can take it all. (laughs) So at this stage, because these guys have been fighting with the French, and they know that these guys can fight, all of the Creole generals are like, yo, man, what the fuck? Because what happened is the Africans are the more vicious fighters. Why? Because they were free. They're like, yo, kill these crackers dead, man. Like flies already. So Dessalines, Toussaint, Christophe, even the mulattoes are like, yo, they're all shitting in their pants. Yo, he said, Leclerc, oh my God, what are we going to do? What's going to happen here? And the Africans are like, yo, listen, we can beat, because the Africans are fighting massacring French. And Toussaint Louverture is like, listen, you guys do it. At one point, Dessalines, Christophe, even the mulattoes, they go work for the French to calm down the Africans because they're like, yo, man, we don't want to get killed. We don't want to go back on the plantation under the French, man. Let's see if we can kind of deal with Napoleon or something and just get these Africans under control. Because in their mind, the only slaves that are going to be slaves are the African Bosal, not the Creole. So at one point, right, too still overture is playing games. And Dessalines realizes it's these games. And because Dessalines, as I said, was a nouveau libre, he actually was a slave until the beginning of the Haitian Revolution. He's like, man, this guy, Louverture, is going to cut a deal to try to save his skin with Napoleon. And he's going to dime us out because we're all pissed about this Moise nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he's going to dime us out, and we're going to be dead men. At that point, Dessalines says, you know what? Nah, fuck that. He's going to try to break that. Because there's a treaty between Leclerc's army, which is France, and the Haitian soldiers. So we got to have a break here. So Dessalines tells the French general, he'll say, oh, man, my man over there was going to break the treaty. A word? They capture Toussaint, they take him in shackles, and they take him off to France. Most people who didn't know that Dessalines was the one who green-lighted that are like, oh, my God, they take Toussaint. Dessalines was second in command. is like, yeah, they took Toussaint. What are you going to do? Because the Africans trust Dessalines more than Toussaint, more than Christophe, because he's the one who is least, like, really feeling this corvée system. Right. So they take Toussaint. Toussaint goes and gets shipped off to France. Dessalines, at the Treaty of Akaya, He's got the mulattoes, he's got the African Bosal, and he's got the black Creoles. And he's like, yo, listen, these Frenchmen are going to destroy us unless we man up and we take it to them. Are we going to put our bullshit aside and take it to them? Or are we going to have them come here and either put us all in shackles or genocide? Everyone's getting hot. They're like, yes, we're going to take it to these demons. Dessalines is a very aggressive, very brutal cat. And he comes out with a war cry. Cut their heads, burn their houses. 
cut their heads, burn their houses. Everyone, kupetet bulekai, kupetet bulekai. They start massacring the French soldiers. Leclerc died of yellow fever, so they say, and Washambo wanted to genocide all the black. Washambo did sick shit like at one time created gas chambers to exterminate Haitians on the island. Oh, my. Yeah. Let me tell you how savage Dessalines was. Washamore took 500 Haitian officers and shot them in the head. 500, one at a time. Bang, 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 bang. Washamore was a vicious, brutal, sadistic bastard. Dessalines says, oh, is that what you want to play? Dessalines takes 500 French officers, gets a noose, and hangs 500 in a row and leaves them hanging dead in front of the French soldiers. They said, fuck with me. Come see me. Oh, 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 my. He wasn't messing around. I got to ask you a question within this. One of the things that jumped out at me was the mountain people, how they would go into the mountains. Yes, those are the maroons. Yes. This seemed to be a really important part of this through this revolution. The maroons were the bossal. That's why they were good soldiers. They had their own bases. They were up in the mountains and the hills. And they would take it to the French soldiers. They would take it to the plantation. Strike and then get back in the mountains. You couldn't find them. So Dessalines is massacring the French and eventually destroys all the soldiers that Napoleon sent to Haiti. Napoleon sees how bad he's losing and he's like, forget New Orleans. Get the soldiers from New Orleans and send them back to Saint-Domingue, Haiti to save this island. Those 25,000 soldiers come back in, they get waxed and destroyed. On November 17, 1803, the Battle of Vertier, which is the final battle of the Haitian Revolution, Washambo is there himself with Capual Amor, and the slaves are going up a hill. Capual Amor is the general charging the army. They send one cannon, bow, it knocks off his hat. He gets up, and he gets on the horse. He charges again. They send another cannon, bow, and knocks him off the horse. The horse goes down. He gets up. He tells the army, charge. They keep charging. Washambo, this racist terrorist, is so impressed with the bravery of the soldiers at the Battle of Vertier. He stops the war. He says, stop. I've never seen such bravery from soldiers in my life. And he Amazing. gives Capoalamor a white horse as a gift. He goes back, the battle continues. Capoalamor means Capua the death. They call him that because he just refused to die. The French are defeated, they surrender, and they go back in November of 1803. And in January of 1804, Jean-Jacques Dessalines declares Haiti an independent republic, and he eventually becomes emperor. In 1802, Toussaint Louverture dies in a French prison cell, begging Napoleon to send them back to be a governor general again. Toussaint Louverture is not the hero of the Haitian Revolution, is Jean-Jacques Dessalines. Indeed. I think that All Toussaint Louverture was ever going to do at best was create a more bougie black experience while leaving many, many, many in the exact same conditions they would have been in, maybe marginally better. You realize that British stopped the transatlantic slave trade within three years of the Haitian Revolution, largely because of the degree of bloodshed and the fear of this island. If Toussaint Louverture continue with the program, the slave plantation system would have continued in perpetuity because he's going to need more Africans to come in. Indeed. Now, did this not precipitate Napoleon selling off Louisiana and the Louisiana Purchase? Because Napoleon's plan to conquer North America is foiled, he sells all of the Louisiana territories west of the Mississippi to Thomas Jefferson for less than eight cents an acre. Not only did the Haitian Revolution protect the United States from becoming a French colony, but it literally caused the transaction that allowed the U.S. 
to double its size and become the powerhouse that it is. How many people tell you that? None. That's why I wrote an article on the 4th of July, Thank America's Real Founding Father, Jean-Jacques Dessalines. That's very well stated because as I was thinking about this, the slaves creating the clothing in North America through the Louisiana purchase areas were being sent down to clothe the slaves down in Haiti and vice versa. So they were doing this as much for commerce and for reinforcements and providing real resources down there to Haiti and back and forth. And when they were kicked off the island, what's the point in being that far apart? Because he was also getting his ass handed to him with Russia and the rest of his ill-advised pursuits that eventually brought Napoleon to his knees to begin with. One of the last words Napoleon Bonaparte said before he died is that the biggest mistake he ever made was not allowing Toussaint Louverture to go back and be governor general of Santa Maria. <laughs> Buyer's remorse, no question about it. So let me ask you, with the obvious hat tip to Dessaline, what has happened to Haiti since then? You want to know what happened? How did it get that bad? I'll tell you. I'm going to answer yes. the question. I know that you want to get that. What <laughs> happened? You guys won. What happened? Dessalines makes himself emperor. He's running the country. And there is a conspiracy amongst the mulattoes with Alexander Petion and the black Creoles, including Henri Christophe. In 1806, in October, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, the man who led the Republic of Haiti, the emperor who led his army to freedom, was assassinated and killed. Do you know why Jean-Jacques Dessalines was assassinated and killed by the mulattoes and even the black Creoles? I have no idea. Because he wanted to abandon the corvée system and do land reform and give the poor black soldiers who are Africans their own land so they can be independent. He wanted to do land reform like a good socialist. And the black and mulatto Creoles conspired and they killed him. Ah. And all of the class division that plagues Haiti to this day is a consequence of that assassination because they brought back the corvée and kept the Bosal peasants. And those Bosal peasants are the 70% of poor Haitians that make up the majority of that poor country that's called the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere to this day because there was never any economic agenda to empower the peasant class. It was always an economic competition between the Creole Blacks and the Creole Mulattoes. This is an important macro discussion because it's bigger than Haiti. Every time you see a revolution occur, and we can look at the Bolsheviks, whenever a revolution occurs, a revolution is very much a series of events that finally come to a head. It's hard to tell when they begin. It's often hard to tell when they end. But there's always a counter-revolutionary force in wait that has a different agenda. And the minute people take their eyes off the prize, that counter-revolutionary force starts reinstalling the things that they had lost. And it sounds to me like Dessalines was bringing a new agenda for the island of Haiti. There's one woman who studied at Duke. She loves Dessalines. She's a white woman. She's trying to work on his biography. You will never find a European scholar of Haiti in history who will write anything positive. There is no biography of Dessalines. There's nothing positive about Dessalines. You know why? Because they realized that he put the whole plantation economy in jeopardy. And also he created the first black republic. He sent a symbol to the world of what black people can accomplish that inspired Africans and black people to this day. And by the way, after he got his independence, because he was aware that Warshambeau and the French had a plan to possibly come back and genocide all the blacks on the island, he preemptively said, you know what? All the white men on this island, massacre them. Not all the whites, all the French. Excuse me, he let the white British and the Americans stay. The French, because he hated the French. If you read the Haitian Declaration of Independence, he curses the French. They massacred thousands of particularly white men. The white women, he allowed them to live on the occasion that they said they agreed to take an African or black husband. If not, you die. And he did this because he realized that Warshambeau and all of them had 
potential existential plans to genocide all the Africans on the island. And he did a preemptive strike. And he also knew that as long as we have these people on power, we'll never be free because they're always going to try to make an agreement with France to come back and invade the island. So he had to do something extreme to exert control. Tucker Carlson had a show about Dessalines when the Haitians in Brooklyn tried to name a street after him. He was like, he was a mercenary. He was horrible. That's why Dessalines gets a bad rap because they make him seem like he had a French Holocaust. No, he didn't. He did what was tactically necessary to protect the interests of the island. He didn't kill all the whites, kill basically the French. He also didn't even kill doctors. Anyone who would be a benefit to the country, he left alive. But the majority of them who were still loyal to France, they had. This is the history of all revolutionary leaders, though. Every one of them are labeled as a brutal, murderous, I'm not going to sing Stalin's praises, but he has been very wrongly maligned. Same with Lenin. And you can keep going throughout history. Yeah, but Andrew Jackson, who was massacring Native Americans, is a hero, right? Yeah, right. But Andrew Jackson's a piece of shit. Let's just be fair. Because he was coming at it from the point of genocide. He was a disgusting man. In fact, you could say that he single-handedly destroyed any chance of fixing society just by simply the way he turned his back on all the little bits of good that were coming out of the U.S. from any of the slightly enlightened people. He basically undercut every bit of it. Let me ask you this one final question, because this is, to me, where I know everybody's seen the assassination of the former Haitian president, and there was a lot of discussion one way or the other about whether he was a good guy, a tyrant, what is the story with the assassination? I'm not going to get into the debate. He was a guy who was governing a country that was in austerity, that was trying to neutralize the oligarchs of the country who are not even Haitian. Most of them are Syrians, Lebanese, and Europeans who've controlled 90% of the economy in Haiti for large parts of the 20th century. They're racist as hell. Even the mulatto and the Creole blacks hate them. He was trying to neutralize them by basically trying to cut deals with foreign competitors like Turkey, which was the last trip he made in June, and it was getting so hot on the island that someone had him whacked, my opinion is, with the green light of the United States because things were getting so turbulent that some of the oligarchs and the blacks or mulattoes they had on their side with the agreement of the U.S. had him taken out. Mm. That's my theory. The only thing that I heard was that there was a doctor. Yeah, I don't know. I think he might be a patsy. We'll have to see. We're going to be hearing a lot of crap. We may never find out who really did it. This might be just like other assassinations of Haitian presidents. This is the fifth, actually. Well, I'll tell you what, when more is revealed, I hope that maybe I can have you come back and tell us all about it, because you've been absolutely an amazing guest. I've been looking so forward to doing this interview with you, and this is fantastic, because you read what you read, and unless you've got someone that has that real boots-on-the-ground experience, has come from there, understands the culture, etc., it's hard sometimes to decipher what is propaganda and what is the truth. And I've always been impressed with you. You have never once pulled any punches. You've always told it straight. And I love your passion for the story. And leave us with this. If you had a word of wisdom to people who are looking at this country and trying to find some inspiration from what Dessaline did or from what any of the arcs of these revolutions were able to achieve, what might you tell people in the United States that are struggling under this oligarchy and feel powerless? The Haitian Revolution is a perfect example of the mythology that greed and exploitation is simply the province of white people and that capital concentrated in power will always corrupt and that all wealth must be democratized so that lesser of all of us get treated on equal footing and have the opportunity to achieve like everyone else, or else there will always be a need for a Haitian Revolution 2.0. That was well said. Thank you so much. And I know we said at the beginning, but go ahead and tell us, where can everybody find your work and how can we follow you? You can find my work at Black Agenda Report. Just type my name, Huffington Post. You can listen to our podcast, This Is Revolution Podcast. I'm also working on a book project about American politics. This Is Revolution Podcast 
on your relevant Apple podcast podcaster on YouTube. You can see us live stream on Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Thursday night at 9 p.m. Saturdays at noon. This is Revolution Podcast with my wonderful co-host Jason Miles. My work at Black Agenda Report. That's usually where most of it is. I've been writing there since 2010. I've got pieces at Huffington Post, Alternate. But, you know, I've been out there. So check out our podcast. I'm on Twitter at PRobert06. At P-R-O-B-E-R-T-06. Very good. I want to put this plug in. I've never talked to the folks at Deb Pundit Society, but probably one of the best interviews I've ever heard is with Pascal on Dead Pundits. That's a great interview. Dead Pundits Society interview on Black nationalism. That's right. Google my name and type Black nationalism. You'll find that podcast. And I recommend it highly. So with that, I want to thank you once again for joining me. Have a great day, everybody. This is Steve Grumbine, Pascal Robert. We're out of here. Macro and Cheese is produced by Andy Kennedy. Descriptive writing by Virginia Cox and promotional artwork by Mindy Donham. Macro and Cheese is publicly funded by our Real Progressive Patreon account. If you would like to donate to Macro and Cheese, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives. I want the truth!